0: Not we could do a cold open. Yeah, we could do a cold open. Hey, yeah. So what are we going to talk about? I mean, that's like, the point of a cold like? open—is that you jump right into the conversation. Yeah, kind of You're listening to Advancing Education, the Alberta Student Podcast, where we talk about student issues, news. We conduct interviews. We do all sorts of other kinds of things like that. My name is Emmanuel Barker, and I'll be your host. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode. Michael you What is going on, my friend? Welcome to the ASEC Advancing Education podcast. This is a podcast for Alberta students. You're an Alberta student for what, 29 days?
1: Uh, I have another, well, a student leader for the next 19 days, 20 days, and then I finished my diploma, well, second diploma here at the end of April, so.
0: End of April, big, big moment for you, eh? And then what are you, what are you graduating with?
1: Uh, so I'm within the agricultural management, uh, diploma here at Olds college. Uh, I originally came to do the commerce, uh, diploma. I finished that last year and I am double majoring, uh, as well as getting different certificates this year. So I have gotten my drone pilots, uh, basic certificate as well as, uh, got my artificial inseminators license
0: nice. <laughs> so, oh, so, so things. <laughs> uh, nice. Okay. So I was going to say that you use, um, the drones for like surveying herds and stuff, right?
1: Uh, yeah. So drones have a huge, uh, variety of uses within agriculture. Uh, you can do plant stress maps. Uh, so you can gauge how your uh, fields are actually doing monitor plant growth. So you can see which side's growing better than the other side. Uh, You can do nutrient deficiencies, so you can do uh, targeted uh, fertilizer application. Um, You can see the plant stress and know if there's a certain type of uh, bacteria that may be attacking it, so you can do uh, spot spraying uh, for fungicide and stuff. So that's a key use there, as well as for cattle, yeah. You can use uh, thermal imaging uh, to see uh, they're coming out with new programs every year, Uh, so you can see if cattle are getting sick just by the temperature of their eye, uh, and then once cattle are used to it, you can usually fly within a meter of cattle and they won't even notice. Uh, But the key thing is to get your herd used to it if you are going to use a drone within cattle, because uh, we did have an incident back before I was a student leader. I used to manage a feedlot and it was a pretty interesting time. Uh, My boss took our drone out and he went to check the fence lines and then It just scares the cattle when you fly over them for the first time. So they just go running halfway across the quarter. And then, of course, you know, it was the middle of winter. So the drone falls out of the sky and it's a white drone in the snow of Alberta. So we spent a good couple hours walking a pasture trying to find a little one foot by one foot drone.
0: That is uh, really weird. Um, this, this has taken a turn, you know, this is taken a direction that I did not expect it to. So what you're telling me is you have a, a, certificate in making cows pregnant. You have a certificate in flying drones and reading their eyes. Um, and also, uh, diploma you said in, in commerce. And then you also have the feedlot management diploma.
1: So I will... I have a diploma in agri-commerce, so the finances and marketing within the agricultural sector. I do marketing, economics, and finances within that. Uh, And then this year, I'm double majoring with production to do fertility uh, management for uh, livestock animals, as well as uh, nutrient uh, production for crops. Uh, So uh, what key nutrients uh, do you need for a field? Uh, So we do soil sampling and such like that. Uh, to be able to uh, tell you what kind of nutrients you're deficient in and which way uh, we can produce a blend for you so that your crop can grow better. Uh, so those are those two uh, things that I actually came to school for. And then my uh, drone pilot's license. Um, which is basically like ba- being
0: being a space cowboy and using using a robot plane to identify the dead spots in your lawn is what you're sort of, sort of explaining to me.
1: You could easily do that yes you could easily do that <laughs> but yeah and then tons of different uses for drones uh, i was actually when i was doing my course uh so i'm down here in old's uh did the course down here in old's and uh, the instructor's like yeah back in two hills uh so two hills is my original hometown it's about 45 minutes northwest of vermilion
0: not to be confused um, with three maybe, hills
1: yes not to be confused with three hills which is right next to old's <laughs> believe me Corrected several times when I say I live in Two Hills, and they say, "No, don't you mean Three Hills?" <laughs> I'm like, no, "No, I don't." But <laughs> yeah, uh, it turns out our fire department actually bought a drone. Uh, our county bought a drone for uh, wildfire and rescue. was yeah. fire prevention. Uh, so it's pretty cool. They have a thermal camera on it, and it's I, I kind of want to borrow it sometime. I just want to see if I can accidentally borrow that you know for a weekend and fly it around because that'd be kind of fun i don't have a drone that big yet i'm hoping to get one probably a tenth the size
0: but... <laughs> is it really really big
1: oh yeah it's like uh i think it's uh it has six blades on it a hexcopter. uh it has two cameras the cameras are worth like i think thirty thousand dollars
0: oh god i like,
1: yeah, no, it's an expensive piece of equipment, and you need your advanced pilot's license to be able to use them uh, properly, like with the way they're going to be using it. So, it's it's pretty cool knowing that there's people around my neck of the woods that actually do want to use the technology for proper uses, not just like how me and my boss used to fly it over pens of cattle and be like, "Yeah, that's that's a cow."
0: <laughs> so, so that's pretty. That's you know, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, I was, what I was going to say is I was going to make jokes about how that doesn't necessarily feed into being a student leader. And I wanted to know like what motivated you to get involved from that point. But you know, I mean, it's like when I went to college, I went to college for meat cutting, you know, and that doesn't really feed into being a student leader either. (laughs) So, I mean, who am I, who am I to say that? But that's so, but I am going to ask like, what What led you to be a, you know what? No, no, no. I'm going to get, we're going to do one serious question, then one funny question. Okay. So the first one was a serious question about who you are, what you do. That's pretty fun. The next one is going to be, the reason I got you on the podcast is because during the last podcast, I kind of, you know, roasted you a little bit about having wearing vests all the time. So you are wearing a vest now. Not that anybody else can see. Actually, I'm going to try and take a screenshot of that. Nice. (laughs) Art. Uh, Okay. I'm going to put that on the, on the, whatever. It's going to be funny. Um, But yeah, so what's up? What's up with the vests? Why do you have so many vests, man? Why do you like them? What's the utility of a vest? Do you have any, do you have any like opinions on different fabrics and stuff?
1: In all honesty, I actually didn't start wearing vests till my first year of college. Um, I was always the guy, I would wear sweaters, uh, jeans, it's ag college, so everybody wore Carhartt, that's the go-to for anything really. (laughs) And so i just went down to the campus store one day and i saw a nice brown vest and i'm like "Ah, i'm gonna i'm gonna get that and i started wearing a vest i'm like this is actually really comfortable because my arms are never cold my legs are never cold so i don't really need to wear like a crazy amount of clothing but like it's nice to keep your torso warm so i started wearing vests uh in first year and then it slowly accumulated uh (laughs) into the amount i have now so i think i have uh I think I have seven vests, including the ripped one. Uh,
0: (laughs) Were you that teenager who would go to high school wearing shorts in minus 30 weather? I really see that for you.
1: I didn't really do that in high school. Jeans, being raised in a uh, rural community, jeans was the classic thing that everybody wore all Mm. the time. Uh, Like in the warmer days, yeah, I would definitely wear shorts because I could not survive the heat. I am a like... 20 degrees Celsius is my hot uh, <laughs> five and 35 in shorts and a t-shirt
0: <laughs> yeah my girlfriend and I have the perennial like always changing the thermostat when the other person's not in the house syndrome <laughs> I'm definitely a 21 degree guy and she is for sure a 23 degree girl
1: <laughs> yeah so and see that's that's just the thing with people like I used to I hated being in warm houses but then I started living with uh, one of my aunts and uncles and their house is on average about 24. Ugh. So my room was upstairs. I'm like, oh gosh, this is this is warm. So I would sleep with the window open at times, like it just happens.
0: Yeah, but that like adds right now, that adds the risk, in you residency know.
1: Residency, and I live upstairs, and my room window is open almost all the time, even in like minus 30, because I like the nice cool draft. I have like six blankets on my bed. I use a throw blanket, and that's how the life of Michael B
0: yeah but it's risky business it's risky business you know because you got to worry about frozen pipes and all that type of stuff you know what you need is a vest for your house <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that'd be perfect. you just got to start insulating those pipes a little bit better toss you know the extra vest that you have just wrap them around the pipes it works
0: <laughs> so okay serious question i guess um student leader why
1: so that's actually a wild one that starts in about grade six. Um, when I was in grade six, uh, they we just merged our schools the year prior to be with the high school. So small town, we have a to K-12 school, obviously. Uh, we merged together. Um, and then with their student council that was in junior high and high school, they opened up an elementary representative. Um, so there were students, like obviously grade six, no one pays attention. We had students voted in. But those students didn't really want to go, but I kind of did. So I just took their role, even if I wasn't voted in. And that's how it started. I started student government in grade six. I was a grade rep seven, eight, nine. I was sports rep in grade 10, VP in grade 11, and president in grade 12. Um, So when I came to college, I actually didn't know too much about students associations in post-secondary. So uh, when the elections started coming out, I was like, I definitely want to run. So I had uh, I had a good time debating between VP Academics and VP Communications and I decided I think VP Academics is more uh, my stream of things and now we're here. Um, two years later, I am the president going out. So it's, it's been a wild time. I can honestly say student uh, association life has probably been the best part of my uh, post-secondary experience.
0: That's so fun. So like, how even old are you in grade six? Is that like nine years old?
1: I would have been 11, yeah, 10, 11 years old.
0: Nice. That's so fun. And, and like, what, what did you enjoy about it?
1: See, when you're in high school, all you do is plan like the silly events. Like we'd plan prom, winter formal, uh, we'd plan winter carnival, uh, different events throughout the year, crazy hat days, wild things like that uh all that crazy business like the usual stuff that high schools and junior highs have Uh, so like in elementary you don't really get to do any of those things but you still get to do like water balloons or like we got to plan uh a pie throwing day to throw at our principal and uh i think it was one of the instructors so that was a fun time and like when you're in elementary school and you get to throw a pie at your teacher's face definitely the highlight of your year
0: (laughs) We, we did that in university. We had a professor um, volunteer to do the dunk tank thing at our orientation one year. And you're right, that was a blast. Not so much for the first year students, because they were a bit timid, too worried about their marks. But for anybody else who would already had that class, it was just like such a good opportunity. Oh, man. So, uh, grade six through high school, through junior high, through high school, and then college. Do you have aspirations to do elected leadership later on in your life? What are, you, are you, where are you feeling on that?
1: You know what? That has been a question that has been posed to me a few times over the past year and a half. Um, originally, when I got out of high school, I was looking at becoming a parts technician. I worked as a parts technician for two years in high school. Then I went and did the feedlot for four years. Then I went and did Wireline out in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan at a potash mine. Uh, I didn't actually expect myself to be coming back to school anytime soon, and when I did come back to school, I didn't see myself taking political aspirations into it, but right now I could definitely see myself in the future uh, doing something within a political role. I I would look forward to moving into a more political sense later on in life. But we'll see i I definitely definitely have further plans down the road that i do want to uh try to reach towards seeing uh maybe in a provincial or municipal level
0: Mm, municipal is interesting because it's so different from everything that you would have experienced so far i mean going into provincial is a very similar sort of circumstance to to um what like to the structure of student leadership now where you have an executive it i mean it's a unicameral system but you have an executive you also have like the legislative assembly um, I guess it's, it's, it's very directly related to the way that student associations work in the sense that you have a student council, then you also have a student executive team, you know, you have staff, which are the, the equivalent of bureaucrats and, and like civil servants. And it's, it's all very familiar. But the, um, the sort of structure of a city council and the work that they do municipally is a little bit different from, from the way that it works now. So what, what, what motivated you to consider municipal?
1: The way it usually works within uh, small towns is you gotta make a name for yourself. But yeah, I, I've always loved the aspects of it, so you know, I I wouldn't mind uh, trying my hand at it. I, I wouldn't run for anything major right off the bat. Obviously, I'm not I'm not that willing to uh, toss my neck out there. But I'll definitely run for a council position. Hopefully, at some point.
0: Well, but you know, you know what it takes to be an elected leader. It, it takes working in the community, being well known by the people for your actions, not necessarily for your rhetoric. You know, and. The funny thing about running for mayor, for example, or or like being a premier or something is a very it's a very, very substantial job. Like it, the, the position of student executive in a council is, it, versus council is a way more difficult position. There's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of tasks. And it's the same way with being a mayor or being a premier, for example, because those are very, very heavy duty, complex jobs. To the point where sometimes when people in Canada or the United States uh, eventually get elected to or appointed to um, to Senate as later in their life, you know, as a, as a very senior civil servant, they tend to prefer being referred to as, like, mayor or in the United States maybe as governor or here as premier because it's just, like, it's such an impactful, difficult job that they tend to identify with it way more than with the responsibilities of being a senator, which is kind of like the... I mean, not so much in the United States, but in Canada, it's very much like the sober second thought of government. It's that reflective body, more like being the House of Lords in the the United Kingdom. And it's not really like a you don't have nearly as much of a day to day, like a real grind as a politician. But seeing that you're the kind of person who would aspire to a job in a city council or being a mayor or like maybe moving on to provincial politics later on, you know, it's it is endearing that you would choose to do a job that has a very practical day-to-day sort of level. Uh, all of that to say, I feel like you know very well what it takes to to be elected and to be a responsible elected official, and and being a part of the com- community is a thing. So before you were going to do that, it, it makes a lot of sense that you would take some time, really focus on focus on the community and get more involved. And I'm excited to find out what that take how that takes place for you. Okay, we need another funny question though. Do you have any questions for me?
1: What is the wildest thing you did at U of S
0: I like, you know, when I was a student leader, I was like 26, you know, so I was already pretty grown. I like lived on my own and I had, you know, it was just a totally different world from, from some of the, the younger student leaders that I see, and, you know what, honestly, and that's part of what blows my mind working with some of the student leaders that we're working with is like people like Garrett was in his very early twenties when he was doing stuff. And for me, I was like the responsibility of being a CASA delegate uh, a SATSA delegate, being an ASEC delegate, being an ASEC chair, you know, all doing all of that at the same time is just such a, such an overload for someone in their first, in their like 21, 22 kind of years. Like I was just a university executive. I was a vice president and it, and I was 26 and I was like, this is kind of a hard job.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it is wild. Like when I met Garrett last year, I had no clue who this guy was but he was someone to aspire to be like that man was a go-getter in the sense of he wanted what he wanted and he was going to get it done no matter what like great guy to meet i definitely i can honestly say all the members that i've met uh through asec conferences uh, will probably be lifelong contacts like i cannot speak highly enough of uh Brittany lawson out at rdc or like ryan morsted brad agnew like all these guys are just phenomenal people i I love being able to talk to them, having them as contacts. Now they're going to be useful no matter what I do in my life. And I can't wait to be able to keep in contact with them. Even once we're done student government.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Like lots of the friends that I made when I was a student executive are still like very important friends to me.
1: Who is the most obscure contact that you have from like your previous life that you have now?
0: And, like, and where are they now? It
1: would probably be, like, Mackenzie being the... Was he the chief of staff for the Minister of Transportation?
0: He's McIver's um, press secretary.
1: Or press secretary. And then uh, Minister Luan's press secretary, who is my cousin's cousin. I went to school with her. She was one grade above me. I-, I knew her growing up as a kid because I used to go to my cousin's farm all the time. So, yeah, it's kind of wild, like, when we were having our... Uh, advo week this past year i am uh you guys are going to meet with minister lawan i was just on the sidelines i was like i'm gonna text cassie halfway through the meeting and say so how's it all going just to see what she was gonna do
0: <laughs> yeah she wasn't in the meeting unfortunately I, ne- I didn't get to meet her but i met i met the ministerial assistant and chief of staff and and you know it was that was a great meeting oh god i love that meeting yeah, so in terms of like, I don't know how obscure I would call them, but like, yeah, Mackenzie Kibler and I know each other um, from university, and he's he's MacIver's press secretary. He's a great guy. Katie Katie Telfort is the uh, principal secretary to Prime Minister Trudeau, and I know her assistant. It's a good friend of mine. Other people in the political sphere that I knew from being a student leader. Yeah, I think those are probably like two of the of the of the connections that I have that are like very politically minded still now. I have like a lot of friends, like a good friend of mine who I worked with, who was the governance assistant at the the USSU. He um, he works for like the Department of Defense, I think. Or no, 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 uh, um, uh, public safety. He He's he's an analyst of the public safety uh, federally in Ottawa. He's a, he's a dope dude, shout out Felipe. Yeah, I, I mean, I know a few other people, but the thing is like student leaders that I met, they're all working in in the the civil service or in or in the nonprofit sort of sort of sectors and and while we don't keep up super closely it's like i i hate to like i hate to like rank people based on based on what like level of of government they've made it to because they're all making a pretty big difference like you, you see some of the work that former student leaders are getting up to and i i don't want to keep harping on garrett but he like he's he's not a student leader anymore but he continues to work on the advocacy that we we worked on you know um, i know that a lot of the student leaders are thinking about doing a lot of further work depending on what what their sort of like aspirations are some people are going into larger corporations some people are going into uh further degrees we have a bunch of student leaders who just straight went back to school you know so uh, a couple of them just went right into university of calgary or university of alberta and we have um a couple who are heading into law school or who are preparing to right into law school and a couple who are in the military now and it's so fun to work with people like that because you 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 get to make those relationships you know if when you listen to the first episode of the podcast the interview that I had with the minister I asked him that same question that you asked me and he was like yeah there are people from my student union days that I work with now as colleagues like pretty pretty frequently some on the federal level some on the provincial level and it's it's going to be like that through your whole life you know okay let's uh uh you know god that is such a funny question though I don't think I really got up to any shenanigans uh, I filed like a, like a code of ethics complaint against one of the other executives that I was working with in the last three weeks that we were, we were working together, which, which I, you know, I feel like I had good reason to do, but if I had thought about it for a couple, like, you know, a couple days before I actually filed the complaint, I would have realized how futile it was to make a complaint that late in the year. Yeah. I don't know. I think student, student leadership is, is fraught with those kinds of funny, hindsight is twenty twenty moments where you're like, why did I do that? You know, but, uh, but the fundamentals are that you, you sometimes make, you, you just make a lot of, a lot of decisions and then you have to learn from all of them, you know, whether they were good decisions or bad decisions, it's experiences that you're going to employ later in your life, you know, whether it's, whether it's municipal kind of as you're thinking or it's something else. Um, but, but uh, like something I really identify with, with your, with your story is that, I had no aspirations for student leadership when I first started going to school. You know, like I said, I I came out of, so I went to SIAS, which is like the big college in Saskatchewan for meat cutting. And I I worked as a butcher for like nine years while I put myself through university and I got my own place and I did that. It was like, I was the butcher at (laughs) at university and everyone kind of knew me as that. Um, But when I went to university, it was just like. Student leadership, it became obvious the impact that those people were having, and I wanted to continue on, you know, the work that I was doing with students in some of the student groups I was in and some of the stuff that I did with international students. I just wanted to, like, do more, and that was kind of a fun way of, of building a career. I had no idea I was going to be spending, like, a huge portion of my life doing, you know, because after that, I ended up working for Athabasca University, and now I've been at ASEC, and it's been, like, five years since I graduated. <laughs>
1: that meat cutter certificate
0: right yeah that meat cutter certificate sure sure did come in useful and honestly you know what it does come in useful all the time like john and naomi just went in and bought like a quarter quarter beef from from like a from a meat producer like a farm or whatever they're like asking me questions about stuff and i'm like yeah this is this this is that (laughs) and it's a surprisingly useful skill plus i mean thanksgiving like you're not gonna have a butcher at the table and have somebody else carve the turkey, you know. I do I do have some tricks up my sleeve, you know. Some some sneaky tricks. What's it like being a being a bona fide cowboy? How do you feel about that?
1: Oh I I by far am not a cowboy. Oh come I on, come on. That title. In comparison to the rest of the members of ASEC, maybe. But
0: uh, <laughs> subtle roast.
1: I, I cannot uh, I cannot claim that title. I I can ride a horse to the extent of if a horse needs to go from one place to the next, I can. Uh, the roping skills are something to be uh, improved upon. That is definitely certain. Uh, but I have I've moved cattle a few times in my day. I can say that. I've seeded a few thousand acres, so I can I can say that. But by far, I am not a cowboy. I uh, I do enjoy agriculture. Being raised in town, uh, in a rural community, you're raised around agriculture. But I was never directly involved with it. Because my parents were both in town. My mom was a hair cutter. She transitioned into a teaching assistant at the local school. And my dad worked for the town for the past 15 years, I think. Maybe 20 years. So he's been there since I can remember, really. And we had an eggplant before that. uh, And he used to work there making powdered eggs and stuff.
0: That's awesome.
1: I did not have an agriculture childhood. Like The most that I had was go for a combine ride with your uncle or ride around on the quad with your cousin maybe take out the old 22s and go go for hunting but uh, that's that's my uh, view of agriculture till I turned about 17 and went out to the farm
0: that's so funny because I grew up I grew up um small town for a big portion of my life and then we had like a hobby farm when I was a teenager and that uh It's funny because to people from like a city, like my girlfriend's from Toronto and it is just like a complete, it is a totally, completely different world, you know? Even just being from the West is more agricultural than being from Toronto, you know? And like, I came from a very similar experience where we had like the hobby farm, but it wasn't, it's not like a very high production thing or whatever, Uh, like I know how to, you know, you can go collect eggs or you can milk the cow or you can whatever and stuff like that. But it's not, it's not like agriculture. I have 600 head of cows or something. It's not like farming, farming. It's like hobby farming. It's like having a garden with animals in it, you know? Uh, but when I became a meat cutter, it's like, you're very much involved in the agriculture industry and that is a totally different world. My sister, on the other hand, is a bonafide cowgirl. Like she, she has owned a number, she owns a number of horses and has owned a number of horses over her life. She always wears her hair in French braids. She used to work at the Flying U Ranch as a rustler for a couple of years where she would just like get up, go bring in the horses, like 50 horses or a hundred horses or something. And then, oh, 90, I think she said 90. Uh, And then she would go and bring them back in at like five in the morning and saddle them all up for their, for their dude ranch, like drives and stuff like that bonafide cowgirl and her collie her dog it might be my favorite animal and i have a dog that i love i love my dog honestly sure. science i love science with my absolute entire heart i love that dog he's my he's a wonderful dog buckley is the best dog i've ever met and it's not it's not i'm not saying anything against science i'm just saying like dude that dog is the best he's sweet he's nice he's calm he like works super hard he's really handsome you know he's just he's the best behaved dog in the world Man, my brain is not on today.
1: Eh, it's pretty much a Friday almost. It's Friday junior.
0: Friday junior. Thursday is the new Friday. That's my take.
1: I purposely make sure I have a relaxed schedule. And having a reduced course load definitely helps with that. Like, today I have four meetings. I have zero classes. So I can schedule my meetings for the days I don't have classes. And the day I do have classes, I can actually fo- focus on my classes. Like, that's one of the struggles I realized in my first year being VPA. I was doing a full five-course schedule, uh, being VPA, doing uh, ASEC stuff with you guys. And I hit the wall in mid-February. I had to take an extra week off just so that uh, I could recoup myself. And then I went back to classes for a week, and then I had uh, reading week right after that. (laughs) Like, that, that burnout hits you, and you just don't know what to do. So I I emailed my instructors that week, and I was like, I need a mental health week. I will be taking time off for myself. If there's anything major, let me know. Otherwise, I will not be in classes. And all of them understood. They realized the stresses that come with student government. And actually, a few of my instructors used to be student leaders. Oh, no way. So back in the day, um, one of my uh, plant instructors, uh, Christine Falker, she was, I think, the VP of student life or something here at Olds College. So that was, uh, that's a pretty fun one. So like I get to talk to her about it and she completely understands everything that's happening. She's like, yeah, no, I was in that same boat. Like this is what was happening. This is how we did it. I'm like, yeah, so this is how we're working on it. And she's like, yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> so I yeah, know it's, it's really cool having like people that were also, like Olds College, they, they love bringing in their own so, like myself, even once I'm done within this role, uh, I've been offered a position at Olds College, so I'll be here for at least one more year. Um, but, like, there's tons of people that came to school here, got their business degree, uh, got their uh, hospitality and tourism, got different degrees and stuff, and they stay here. Like, we have guys within the registrar's office for recruiting, uh, our uh, front desk, or not our front desk, uh our conference service people. Uh, we had two two girls that graduated from the hospitality and tourism program, um, and they were the ones in charge of doing like if you were having an event on campus, weddings, uh, career fair, everything. They were the ones that planned it, and they came to school here six years ago. So like old college, just recycling their own and keeping us in here. Can't kick me away, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> that's a huge career stepping stone, honestly. Um, And speaking of funny stepping stones, what I was going to say was my mom was also a hair cutter when I was a kid.
1: (laughs) In In all honesty, I hated haircuts because my mom was a hairdresser. Like it was, no, you're getting a haircut today. And I'm like, okay, sure. So then when I finally got to high school and I got to decide, I once grew my hair for four months. I cannot go six weeks without getting a haircut now. But in like a rebellious stage, I grew my hair for four months,
0: man. I had hair like past my shoulders because my mom was a hairdresser and I didn't want to get my hair cut. They're just not gentle, dude. Like they just are inconsiderate when it's their own children. They're like, you'll be fine. I don't know. I, what are you, what are you complaining about? You'll be fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was just like I don't want to get my hair cut so I grew like big long heavy metal hair I can't even imagine myself with big heavy metal hair now <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I keep myself like my hair stays to I think it's an eighth of an inch is the shortest I cut it like almost a buzz cut pretty much and then I will grow it for six weeks and it turns into this uh, so I have to get haircuts frequently
0: yeah, so now, now my mom, the whole time I was a, a kid, basically, she was working on her master's degree, part in University of Saskatchewan, then part at this theological school in, um, in Chicago, I think, I think it was Chicago. But now she's like a minister at a church. And the funny thing is, she's always telling stories about our childhood, about just because you have to relate, you know, you have to relate. And one of the things that she sometimes relates to is the fact that being a hairdresser is kind of like being a confidant for like a whole spectrum of people. Cause you're just sitting there spending time, not looking directly in each other's eyes, which really facilitates like a meaningful sharing or like, um, you know, stress free kind of environment to have a quick chat. And it's very inconsequential in the conversation that you have, but it's kind of a meaningful experience for, For people to go and get their hair cut, oftentimes people take that opportunity to sort of vent and relax. And she's like, Yeah, and that's a big part kind of of what I do now (laughs) as a minister.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Like, I remember going to my mom's hairdressing shop and you just hear all the people talking all the time. Right. And there used to be this one guy that I found scary. And he was just a grumpy old man to me and he was scary. But then once I uh, got to grade eleven, I wanted to start doing my parts technician. Um, so I went and applied at the local bumper to bumper. My dad was friends with the owner, Terry was a great guy. So Terry's like, "Yeah, sure, we'll take you on uh, after school." I was doing a work experience there, and then I was going to work towards my apprenticeship. Um, well, my first day there, who else works there? The big scary old man. <laughs> so I learned that Richard is probably one of the greatest guys the work, like i love those old part test technicians you'd be like oh, i need an alternator for a uh 2003 gmc with a 6-3 in it and he'll be like oh it's uh 2304 it's uh, that <laughs> uh three down and you're like what book did you just memorize <laughs> to know that like god man you could ask him about any vehicle he knew what it was and where it was yeah and if we it he didn't even have to check stock he knew if we had it in stock and he's like i'll oh, we'll order it it'll be in in uh two days i know uh gregs can get it for me i'm like okay cool that's
0: every that's every good. job always has to have like an old guy at it and it, it's it's such a <laughs> it's such a fun experience man when i came down to visit you guys at old college i love that place i love it so much I, you know what i love it so much that i've been like super getting into the cowboy sort of lifestyle where i go and hang out with my sister every weekend and we like ride horses and stuff i'm so into it Ah, oh, feels like such an alberta flex
1: have you watched uh, yellowstone yet
0: yeah crushed it crushed God, it
1: show. can't wait till the new episode comes our new season comes
0: out yeah i know because like it, it really popped off on the cliffhanger oh yeah and you know what taylor sheridan Has done such a good job of really reflecting like some of the more less known parts of like Western culture. Like he, at the start of all the episodes, he features guys doing actual like really fide professional horse work and stuff. And it's such an interesting thing. And the guys in it are like legit cowboys. Yep. Like what, like the old guy, uh, I don't even remember what his name is. It's like Leroy or something. He used to actually do rodeo back in the day. And it, uh, it's a it's a great addition to the show. I love Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, can you imagine that guy got his break in Sons of Anarchy or whatever as, like, just a weird cop? And now he's directing one of the most popular shows on television.
1: Hey, I love Sons of Anarchy, though. I will honestly say that was another great series.
0: Yeah, I watched it. Um, it. You know, like most series, I think I, like, enjoyed the first season more than I ever enjoyed anything else about it.
1: Yeah, no, that's understandable. And now they have a new one coming out called Mayans, uh, following the Mayans from that show. Oh, no kidding. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So. (laughs) I wonder if any... Uh, I'm I'm sure some of the old actors are going to be in it. Do you think, like, Kim Coates is going to be in it? Which one was he? Uh, Tig.
1: Oh. Uh, Maybe. I don't think so. I think this one's going to focus strictly on the Mayans and I think more not Southern California, but more towards the border area. I, I haven't I haven't really seen it yet, so I'm not 100% certain. I just saw a preview for it where they're riding motorbikes along a barbed wire fence, and then it showed the Mayan logo. And I was like, ah, yes, this will be interesting. Sick.
0: You know what's really so, funny is that scene in Yellowstone where there's a bunch of bikers, like, hanging out on the ranch, and then whatever his name is... Um, Cole Hauser like drives the dual dually truck over like six of their motorcycles and then proceeds to beat them all up with a brand. That's such a good scene. The funny thing about Yellowstone is there's much less violence than I ever would have anticipated. They're much more like, you know, it's just, honestly, it kind of just feels like Kevin Costner and Taylor Sheridan just waxing philosophical about how hard it is to be a rancher in America. (laughs) (laughs) i
1: don't think there's that much violence even in real ranching right now so (laughs) but no yeah that was a good episode like definitely didn't see that one coming so pretty pretty cool i will say that and then how the episode actually ends on it so
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no i feel like they kind of i feel like they had to do something because they had sort of like you know they spent the first Long amount of time leading into the like referring to the idea that dark stuff happened in order to protect the ranch, and then they never really actually showed what they did to protect the ranch, and that was like one of the first things where they, where they really expressed, um, just the kind of lengths they have to go to to protect that thing. That said, did have you ever like actually paid attention to how big that ranch is supposed to be? Like it was it in the show I they call it the largest contiguous
1: or twenty thousand acres
0: they called it like a million acres. Oh crap. Yeah. They were like the section they were going to sell to be, um, uh, the section they, they spoiler alert, uh, they're particular, they're potentially going to lose like 50,000 acres or something. And it was less than a 10th of the total ranch. I was like, that's unreal.
1: Yeah. It's wild. But like some of those giant ranches that run thousands ahead of cattle, like, you need the land. You have to have proper grazing management. You have to do all this stuff. And being an ag student, knowing how much land you actually need for, like, cattle and stuff, you, you realize that, yeah, no, you, you're you going to have a thousand head of cattle that are on grazing leases. You're going to need a lot of land, and because there's trees and everything there, it's not as much growth. <laughs> you start analyzing it from a different perspective than just the, it's a cool TV show perspective.
0: Yeah, and you know, have you heard about, like, the uh, cattle stations in Australia? Like, they don't call them ranches, they call them they call them stations. They are so huge. They we think we have big chunks of land here. Single properties in Australia are enormous.
1: But that's again because they can only grow so much vegetation there where you have to cycle the cattle through a lot faster. Where we have a whole pasture that you could probably graze a hundred head of cattle on for a whole summer. These guys, well, you got a hundred head of cattle and you're rotating them on five different pastures six different pastures because you need that vegetation regrowth or else you're going to start losing that topsoil so
0: <laughs> i knew wild. i knew i shouldn't have gotten into this with an ag major <laughs> i saw i saw that they 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 don't even use cowboys because the ranches because the stations are so big in australia they use huey helicopters they yep. use little birds to scare the, the 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 like huge herds of cattle into different ranches <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they'll just round them up with a helicopter, and then they'll send the quads out behind them or horses out behind them afterwards. Once they get them rounded together, like it's it's wild
0: on that one. No oh, man, I love it. This has been such a blast.
1: It was like we started with student government, then we went to what our jobs were like during college and uni, and now we're on to TV shows and agriculture in different countries.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like the podcast, we talked about how, uh, you know, in the intro, we're always such, every time we do the intro, I'm like, we are a student sort of interest based podcast, we do news, and we do interviews, and we do, you know, all sorts of other kind of things. And this is one of those other kind of things. (laughs) You know, you're an outgoing president, you've been a board member, you know, you were you're a very, you're a very, like, um, uh, you know, prominent part of the way that ASAC works. And it's... You know, I'm really glad that we got an opportunity to do a, do a podcast, kind of a fun, sort of laughy, sort of silly podcast before you end up getting out of here. Because 19 days, man, 19, 20 days, not being a student leader anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do with, with myself without Frankel, Mike you around.
1: I already said you were probably one of my favorite parts of ASEC, uh, <laughs> just being able to call on you whenever needed and like just the rando conversations we'd have. Like, it's the best part about it. Meeting everybody else is the best part about ASEC. Yeah, it absolutely is. I can't imagine. Me and uh, my VP academics, Katie, uh, we were both talking like, what are we going to do in 20 days when we officially do not have an office? Like, we live in these offices five days a week, pretty much. And I was like, well... I guess I'll have to use my laptop again (laughs) (laughs) to figure out where I left that. I think it's in my room. Um, And then I'm like, well, I may as well just go use the computers in the library because I want a dual monitor. Still, I don't know how I'm going to survive without a dual monitor system. Yeah. You can
0: just buy another monitor, my friend. Like, that's that's a key that i sort of learned in my life like if you really become used to something you sort of just have to throw down and do it the whole double monitor situation is a game changer man oh
1: wild i've seen people with four monitors before i'm like i am jealous because then you can move everything everywhere and still have enough room
0: well john's got three i think he uses his laptop and then he has two external monitors that he also uses it's just it's so much better and and like when when you see people with those freaky game setups where you've got like three concave three concave monitors that are that are basically like in a semicircle around you from the front so you get peripheral vision as well as like <laughs> as well as I don't know whatever telescopic vision you get from the front that's pretty fun I think it's I think that's super fun um so what what tell me about your new team tell me about the new guy what do you know about him so far how has transition been going.
1: Uh, Well, they got voted in officially at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. I think 7.57 is when we got the results in. Uh, So we use third-party provider for the results. So we technically don't run the election. Um, But, yeah, Andrew got voted in. Um, We had a good conversation before he even decided to run for the executive. He's actually not originally from Olds College. Uh, He was a Lethbridge College student for two years, uh, he wants to do the applied degree here at Olds, so he transferred up. He's in open studies right now, uh, and he's hoping to get into the applied degree next year.
0: What so, does he want to take? What was that? What's the major?
1: Uh, so an agribusiness uh, degree and major in agriculture. Okay, right. I've definitely only had uh, one day to talk with him, but he's definitely he definitely has that go-get-him attitude, and I, I think he'll do well for the association. Uh, He's definitely someone that I can see taking my legacy that I've started to build and keeping it going. Um, We've developed our tuition and fee framework so that in the future student leaders are able to have that uh, for them. I know originally when I was in it last year, it was pretty much three pieces of paper that the institution would give us and that was it. And we were like, okay, this is all we're supposed to have. But then me coming back for a second year, I'm like, no, no, no. You wait a minute. I, I definitely need more than this. So then I just kept going back at him, back at him, and now we have a five-page report that they have to give to us every year. Uh, I already gave Andrew the rundown. It's it's pretty wild. So, like, I I've told him, like, he has to hold the institution accountable. Like, that is his job. He is He's here as a figurehead, but he, he's here as a bulldog too. Like, don't back
0: down. Yeah, there's a, there's a big part of being in student government that's a lot like being the opposition in government, where it is very much your position to be, you know, again, that sober second thought, that oversight, that kind of accountability piece on behalf of your members who are also the members of the major institution that you're attending. And that's it, like, it's a really important role. And doing those tuition and fees consultations has been a big part of what ASEC's been working on these days. And it, it it's kind of led into a bunch of other issues where we're working with student uh you know student associations um on very focused specific issues which i don't think has really been the role of asec in the past but it's kind of like we're we we've been acting almost as like external um advisors to each of the institute or each of the associations when something new pops off and then we kind of show up and just help them out with it so definitely make it clear to andrew is that his name yeah yeah. I remember meeting him yesterday. I like, I wish we had gotten a longer chance to, to, to sort of ch- chitty chat and talk, but I'm sure I'll be meeting him soon. So, but definitely make it clear to him that we're available to you guys whenever you need help with anything kind of interesting for sure. Include us.
1: I definitely have told him, uh, ASEC is an invaluable resource that has been there for everything that we've needed.
0: Um, any, any last thoughts, what's the rest of the team up to, what are they going to do when they're done?
1: So Katie, Oh, um, That is our VP of student communications. Um, She is going back to Germany. She's originally from Germany. She's an international student uh, that played on our soccer team. She did business, uh, she did a business diploma. So she's planning on going back to Germany and doing a specific sports uh, business degree at a specialized sports university. Um, So from right when I've talked to her last, Uh, she has to do actual tryouts to be able to go to the university to do a business degree in sports. Katie?
0: Katie
1: is? So Katie, oh, I don't think you've met her too many times. Um,
0: So there's two
1: Katie's? Two Katie's. When we do our minutes or do meetings, it's like, and can I get a motion to approve the agenda? Katie. Can I get a motion to approve the minutes? Katie. Katie (laughs) doesn't matter
0: (laughs) because i was like i'm pretty sure that other katie isn't from germany
1: (laughs) no uh so other katie is uh planning on going to the u of a to finish her uh bachelors for uh science and then she wants to do an agronomy designation so get her professional agronomist designation uh, and then do uh agronomy so she'll be leaving here after this year going to the u of a so just another one of our uh another one of our ASAC alum going in there.
0: Another, another ASEC student leader moving on to the University of Alberta or of Calgary. It really does feel like a vibe that the student leaders just like don't want to be done yet. And they carry on with new sort of responsibilities and experiences. And oftentimes it takes them to a university. So that's kind of fun. I kind of anticipated that for you. But I'm, I'm really glad that you've got that you've got your career sort of taken off. I kind of imagined you going in the way of, of Garrett and like signing up for a political science degree at a big university or something.
1: Like in all honesty, that actually was part of a plan at one point. I so the way this uh, job that I got got developed was uh, in my second year uh, in my professional workplace professionalism course, uh, we had to do a interview uh, with uh, someone within the college. Uh, so they brought in like the head of HR, uh, the director Bruce Kent. Uh, they brought in uh, the dean for the Workman School of Agricultural Technology. Uh, the head of communications like we brought in the heads of these areas and we had to do an interview a mock interview with them so we had to bring in our the job we wanted and then we had they would read the description get a couple questions written down fast and then they would call us in for an interview for this job and i was like i have no clue what kind of job i even want to do like i want to do finances i want to do everything but i was like I want to work on agricultural advocacy, mental health, uh, policy writing, everything along that line. And I'm like, but there's no specific job for that. So how am I supposed to say I want this job if there's nothing there? So I went in with the two-page write-up saying this job could be something that Olds College could develop, and this is why I think it should be done. And then I handed that to the dean, and James took it, reads it, looks at me, He's like, okay, well, sit down. We're going to start this right now. So we started an interview process right then and there. Uh, We started talking about why the college needs it, uh, why it could be useful in the future. Uh, We kept in contact over the summer a little bit. uh, And then in fall, it really took off uh, because he actually saw the usefulness of it, seeing that we're in an online environment. How can Ag Advocacy help uh, moving forward? And so that's kind of where I went with it. Because, no, I was actually looking at a poli-sci Uh, possibly transferring over to the U of A uh, just to hang out with Garrett and Lindsay over there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know if I a hundred percent want to do that anymore. And then this job ended up coming out and I was like, it's a great opportunity for me. So I applied for it. I got an interview for it. uh, Me and him had discussions. So we're going to see how that works out coming here in the future. Um, Hopefully, hopefully I get a call back or get a call from HR and, hopefully I get this position. I'd, I'd be happy if no one, or if I didn't get the position, just knowing that this position has been developed uh, because I want to see this happening to ex- uh, help the egg sector in any way they can. Um, and then really, if not, I'm, I'm fine with trying other jobs. Like, like I know uh, how we were discussing earlier in the week that one other job opportunity, I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, so I definitely looked into it and I started typing some stuff up. Uh, but I'm gonna wait to see if I hear back from HR at the college. If not, definitely sending my application in over there. See how that would work out.
0: Oh man, don't wait. Do both. You gotta do both, dude.
1: But I like risking it. Gotta risk it to get the biscuit. Oh. All the eggs in one basket. See what happens.
0: No. Okay, hold on my official stance is yes it is very exciting that you have developed this position and that in and of itself would be a huge victory for old college as well as for your own accomplishments as a junior student advocate um, and if you got that position even more so that would be very exciting for you to be doing that work carrying it on at old college i have to say as a student uh you know advisor. By all means, apply for every position that comes available to you and let the chips fall where they may. Make your decision when you get approved for two different jobs, Mike. That's what you got to do. Anyway, um, on on another note, very proud of you for developing a role that needs to be developed at institutions. I think that there should be more advocates as professionals in different universities, and different sectors. I think it's a huge responsibility, and you made a good move.
1: So definitely, and with this role, uh, we're looking at It'll be tied in with uh, I- instructional like processes. So it'll be doing program review, program development. Um, and then we're actually looking at developing a agricultural communications course. Uh, it'll be a diploma level course, uh, is what we're talking about right now. So I was thinking, like, that would literally be the perfect thing for Olds College and the Students Association, because that will now become a feeder program directly for the Students Association. Mm-hmm. Cause you're going to want students that want to be involved are want to be advocates already. So this will just give them more training along the line.
0: Yeah. And you know what, like part of a part of a student position is very much like looking at the bigger picture and seeing those, those voids of, of sort of responsibility or like, places where you need to have those advocates stand in and do those jobs. That is a giant big picture thing that certainly did not occur to me when I was a student leader. So kudos to you and people like you who are working to develop new positions. And I, the, the next one that comes to mind is uh, is like AU Arts, for example, is pushing for an ombudsperson at their office uh, or not necessarily at their office, but to be associated with the university and the student association. I think that's a brilliant role. Ombudsperson is a huge responsibility um, but it's a complicated one where you have to have the association pay for part of it and the university pay for part of it or find some kind of way to reduce the responsibility to one party exclusively. You know, those are important things. Um, but, yeah, kudos to you. I think that's awesome. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, though, dude. Damn. <laughs> Damn.
1: Uh, c- come on. Got to risk it to get the biscuit, bud.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> respectfully disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't, don't you worry, I will definitely be looking at that other job. Um I think that's also another tremendous opportunity and like we were talking about earlier, uh, to definitely go into politics in the future. I think that would be a huge stepping stone along that line. Uh so I, I have looked into it and I have kicked myself a time or two for saying, I don't know if I want this right now. Like if I had that option in three years, definitely would look at it. But right now I'm like, I just developed a position at the college and I want to try get it like wholeheartedly.
0: Well, you will have another opportunity to do a job like, like the opening I pass forward to you, but it, you know, all, you know, you gotta, you gotta follow your heart, you know, you gotta do whatever you gotta do. Okay, Mike, we're getting close to the end of our time. I think we've got a lot of really imp- impressive, interesting, substantive stuff. And I just want to thank you for jumping on the episode before you decided, before you, before your, um, before your term ended. Um, and I just want to make it really clear that, you know, just because you're not a, a student leader anymore necessarily doesn't mean that we can't stay in contact and that we can't work with you. And ASEC has committed to supporting all of its alumni. So make sure that if you are looking for support or you just want to hang out, definitely come to our conferences, definitely like reach out and stay in touch. Cause I don't, I don't want to, I don't want there to be anything between us, buddy. I miss you. I miss you already.
1: Like, oh, I already said, uh, as soon as ASEC conferences are back in person, I will be making a surprise visit no matter what. Uh, I will be showing up. I really hope Olds can host one just so that you guys have to come to me, and then I will just be standing in the middle of the alumni center waiting for you guys. Just mm-hmm. so, like, welcome back.
0: Oh, man, and it was my biggest disappointment. It was my biggest disappointment that we couldn't do our conference in Olds uh, and get the get the speaker to come out because that was going to be like the like, – that was my crowning sort of achievement at that time of ASEC was arranging for the speaker to come and present at our conference in olds. I thought that was just gonna be such a blast.
1: Oh yeah. Nathan loves coming to the college. like I've seen him here a handful of times being him been to meetings and stuff. Like I, I think Nathan is probably one of the coolest people I've met that, in this job because <laughs> I, you know what? You don't get to say, Hey, yeah, I met the speaker of the legislative assembly. Uh, He's also representing my institution. All right. Talk to you later, bud.
0: All right, man. Cool. Thank you so much. And thank you again for being on the episode. And I can't wait to hang out.
1: Take it easy.
0: See you later. With the end of our very silly interview, we've reached the end of our episode. As always, this podcast is for you. So if you're a student in Alberta and you have something to say, reach out with your concerns to me at advocacy at and we'll try and get your conversation included into our next episode. Thank you for listening.